The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. a new series today called New Song Normals, and what we're going to do is over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about things that we as a church, uh, as a church culture, want to champion, we want to fight for, we want these things to become a normal part of who we are as a church, and, and we're t- we want to train you in this, but one, so you can help us to help bring this into the church, but also so that you can have these things in your own home and your own families, because Many of these things, they go against kind of the, the culture of the world, the natural culture of the world. And so, uh, so it's going to take a little bit of effort on our part, but if we'll bring these things into our life, it's going to produce a better life for you and for those around you. So, so today I want to talk to you about this topic of health. I'll talk to you about the topic of health. A few years ago, uh, me and my wife, Sarah, we went to Kansas City to visit some pastor friends of ours. And while we were there, typically this is what we do. We go to a new city. We always like to find like the really good restaurants and go eat there. So we, we got into this town. We got in our Yelp app and we did our little thing, our formula. You know, we put in the most reviewed restaurants. Here, I'm going to help you out a little bit, okay? Those of you who don't know how to work with Yelp, let me help you out. All right, here's what you got to do. You put in the most reviewed restaurants that have the most reviews and then you see who's got the highest stars. Because now you're, you're finding out what places people are going to that people really like, okay? So we put in our formula. You, th- you can thank me for that later. It's a great little tip. We put in our little formula, and at the top of the list uh, was a place called Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Anybody ever been to this place before? It's pretty amazing. And so, it, you know, it's Kansas City. Like, they're known for barbecue, and this is the highest-rated restaurant in the city. And so we were like, yes, we're in. So we head over to this place, we get there, we discover it's in a gas station, which normally that would freak me out a little bit, but because most gas station food, <laughs> that's big, you know, it, it, you don't know what's going on there. Like you can get the coronavirus from most of this <laughs> gas station food. So, oh yeah, by the way, I want to welcome everybody watching online. Could you guys help me welcome everybody watching online? Glad that you're with us. Uh, so it's a gas station. And, um, and, and, but, but we also noticed that there's a line out the door and, and that's a good sign. So, you know, like people don't normally wait in line for stuff that they don't enjoy. Like very rarely do you see a line developing at the gas station that's offering food or at Wendy's or any number of places. So that, this is a good sign. So, uh, so we get in line and I'm reading in the app and it's telling us that you got to get the ribs and I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not a big ribs fan. Like, I, I, <laughs> because, listen, because a lot of times ribs are kind of always the same, especially out here in Oklahoma. Oklahoma barbecue is eh, for the most part. The ribs are kind of all the same. So, you guys get all mad at me today? I could be like, better quit talking trash about my, sh-. okay. <laughs> Calm down. I know it's early. You guys are awake. You look cranky. <laughs> okay, so, but I'm just not a huge ribs fan, but I, I went ahead because it's what they recommended, and I got them, and let me just tell you, it was next level. I'm telling you, the, the flavor, the, 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 the rub that they put on them, the tenderness of the meat, the tang, everybody say tang. Tang, tang is important to food. 
I don't know what it is, but it's like that where it hits you, right? You know, the tang spot and the, t- and the tanger. Gets you in the tanger. It's good. These ribs had the, they were, they were hitting the tang spot. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, and it was amazing. And I remember walking away thinking like, wow, that was unbelievable. And you go back and you think about something like that. You know, a lot of restaurants have ribs, but there was something different about this place. And it, what, what made it, what separated them from a lot of other restaurants, I believe, is the work that they're putting behind the scenes, the effort, the, the way that they smoke the meat, the preparation they put into it, the, the, what, the things that they do that are normal to their culture that are not so normal to a lot of other barbecue places' cultures. Now, I tell you that because here's the thing. The gospel is good news, isn't it? And all the churches have it. We all have this same good news gospel of Jesus Christ that he came and he died on the cross. But, but here's the thing. What I believe helps us to help people experience that in a greater way is in how we prepare on the back end for them. The Bible talks about this. It talks about how we're to bring out the God flavors in this world. That we're to help people to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I believe it's the, it's the stuff we do, it's the things that we fight for, that we fight to make them normal, a normal part of our church that help to elevate the flavor and the experience that people have with the message of Jesus Christ so that they can truly taste and see that the Lord is good. Because, you know, there's churches out there, they've got the gospel message, but you walk up to that church and everybody's unfriendly, you're going to have a hard time receiving the message, Right? So it's important that we, we have the right normals in place. And so today I want to talk to you about health. And I'm going to get specific about a certain, a certain avenue of health. But health is, health is a big deal, right? We all get that. If your body ain't healthy, it affects you. That's why we, we wash our hands and we sanitize our hands and we work out and we try to eat good because we understand if my body's not healthy, it's going to affect my life. And I want you to understand this too. If the, the church is called the body of Christ, and if the body's not healthy, it's going to affect everybody. Just like in your, in your physical body, if your arm's broken, it's going to affect the rest of your body. If your heart's not operating the way it's supposed to, it's going to affect the rest of your body. The church, at 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about this idea that the church is like a body. And the people, you and I, turn the person beside you, you say, he's talking about you. We're like the members or the parts of a body. And just like all the parts of our body are important that they're healthy and they're functioning the way that they're supposed to, it's important that you're healthy and that you're functioning in the role that God's called you to in a healthy way so that the whole body as a church doesn't suffer. Now, here's what I've noticed, though, about the church. The assignment that we have is a big one, isn't it? I mean, we're called to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who don't know it. That's a big assignment. It's the most important assignment that's taking place in this world is to help people receive of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus made a way so that people can be saved. What, what we're talking about here affects eternities. It's a big deal. And, and what I've seen sometimes is because it's such a big deal and because that task takes work, like it takes work and it takes effort to get that gospel message out there. Because of that, sometimes if we're not careful, it's easy to get unhealthy. And what will happen in churches sometimes is we'll get so focused on reaching people we don't have 
that we begin to abuse the people we do have. We abuse them to get them to help us to reach them. I want you to know, God, God ain't going to bless that. The Bible talks about how God is a good father, right? I'm a good father. I'm trying to be a good father. I love my kids. And I want you to know, because I love my kids, I'm not going to put them into the care of somebody who's going to abuse them, who's going to mistreat them, who's going to wear them out and hurt them, because I love my kids. And I got to believe that God's a better father than me. In fact, I know he is. And so why would he give us people... You guys follow me? Why would he give us people if we can't take care of the people he's already given us? God's a good steward first and foremost. So, so understand this, at the heart of what we want to do as a church, we have to create healthy structure. We have to create healthy leadership and leadership structures. And we have to be fighting for this, this idea of health within the culture of our, of our church. And I, and I understand some of you have come out of churches where maybe it wasn't so healthy. You've seen some stuff. In fact, I'll meet people in the lobby sometimes and they'll tell me, you know, I, 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 we, we love the church, but, you know, the last church we were in, it was rough. And we got a little mistreated there and things didn't go so well. And we, we love the church. We feel like this is the church, but we just need time before we plug in. And, and at first when people would tell me this, it kind of made sense to me in my, in my natural way of thinking. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you just, you just come, you just come to church, just come in and enjoy it and just be a part of it. And when you feel like you're in a healthy place, then you get plugged in. I, that's what I thought. But I noticed something. A lot of these people that wouldn't plug in, never plugged in. I would notice all of a sudden I'd be like, hey, where's so-and-so? Like they, what happened to that guy? What happened to that family? And so I was praying about this one day, talking to God, mowing my lawn. I talk to God when I'm mowing my lawn because I get quiet and God can talk to me sometimes when I'm mowing my lawn. And God began to unpack to me an understanding of what was going on. He reminded me when I was a kid, I broke a lot of my fingers playing sports. I broke both my thumbs. I broke uh, my middle fingers, which I won't hold up right now for you because that's not good. My index fingers, one pinky, like I broke my fingers a lot. And when I broke my finger, I'd go to the doctor. And the doctor, never once did the doctor ever say to me, yes, your finger's broken. I'm going to go ahead and cut that off so that it can heal. Because we, and listen, it doesn't take like 12 years of medical school to understand that if a part of the body is disconnected from the body, it doesn't heal, it dies. What did the doctor do? Typically, they would give me a cast or they would give me a brace so that the finger could stay connected to my body where it was receiving healing. But also in these casts, a lot of times they would do what's called buddy taping where they would connect it to another finger that was healthy and strong so that the broken finger could draw strength from the unbroken finger. This is a picture of what the church is called to do. Listen, the, la the worst thing you can do if you're in an unhealthy place is disconnect from the body. You need to connect to the body. And, and, and so let me just, just kind of let you in on something. There's an idea that floats around sometimes. People talk about this thing called church hurt. Church hurt doesn't exist. I, you're getting quiet, let me, let, but let me explain what I'm saying. Because the church doesn't hurt you. People within the church can hurt you. But the church of Jesus Christ that he died for to establish that he is the head of, that doesn't hurt you. 
Knuckleheads within the church, yes, they can hurt us sometimes, but Jesus ain't hurting you. But, but here's what happens is the enemy comes to you and he says, the church hurt you. So disconnect from that. You need to get away from that. Get away. Don't trust that church. You better go slow with the church because the church, you, you could get hurt again. And when the church, it was knuckleheads within the church. Amen. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to disconnect you from the very thing that can bring life and healing to you in an environment where you can connect with other people and draw strength so you can become who God's called you to be and do what God's called you to do. I'm preaching good this morning. So, so now when people come to me and they say, you know, I've had some stuff happen, I tell them, hey, I get it, but I want you to know this is a healthy church. We're not perfect. But we have a lot of good stuff in place here, a lot of structure in place. And I believe if you'll actually dive in and get plugged in here and get connected in this place, it doesn't mean you got to do everything you were doing before at your, at your last church. Just, just jump in where you can right now. Jump in in this season. Get plugged in so that you can start to receive health and get connected to other people you can lean into so God can do the work he wants to do in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. But we got to fight for this. God wants us to have a healthy church, but we got we to gotta fight for it. We got to champion it. We have a saying around here, New Song Church. We say, healthy things reproduce. Healthy things reproduce. It's true for tomato plants. It's true for rabbits. Lawrence's, you know what I'm talking about. It's true for people. When something's healthy, it can reproduce. That's how you know it's healthy. So listen, if we can create a healthy culture as a church, have healthy systems, healthy leadership structure in place, it's going to produce health, and that health is going to reproduce health, which is going to lead to more people being saved, more people being reached, the gospel going out to more people, healthy things reproduce. And so that's why we fight for this as a church. We want to create a healthy church environment. And at the, the center of this idea of health if you go to the Bible and you start to kind of unpack what health looks like from a biblical standpoint, there is one thing that is championed throughout Scripture that is so vital to you being in a healthy place, and that is rest. Everybody say rest. rest. This is one of the new song normals here is we want people to be healthy, and so we're going to help you to understand how important it is that you are resting that you are practicing what the Bible calls Sabbath rest in your life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of this message today I'm going to be sharing with you, there's going to be a little bit of resistance in you. There's going to be times that you're finding yourself going, I don't know about this. And here's why. Because this goes so against the world. It goes so against the system by which the world operates. But I want you to know this morning, the system the world is operating in will kill you. It will wear you out, grind you down. It'll cause you to cheat on your spouse. It'll cause you to spend money frivolously and in stupid ways. It'll cause you to die early if you allow it to. The system of the world is broken, but the word of God is full of truth, right? It's the only truth we can really count on is the word. So let's look at the word today and see what it has to say when it comes to this topic of rest. All right, I got four truths that you need to see this morning. Here's the first one. Rest was modeled in how God designed. This idea of rest was modeled in how God designed. From the very beginning of creation, we see God modeling this idea of rest. It's right there. Look at this, Genesis 2.2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work 
of creation. So God's been creating. God is the creator. He's the establisher. He's the one that sets things into motion. He's creating a rhythm for what life is going to look like on this planet, on this earth, in this universe. He's, he's the one setting all this into motion. It says for six days, he's been setting it all into motion. He's been creating. And now it says, it's the end of the sixth day. It says, goes on to say verse two, so he rested from all his work. He works, then he rests. And this is important for you to get this morning. God didn't rest because he was tired. God didn't get tired. He's all powerful. All powerful means he's always all powerful, which means he never gets less powerful. He never gets tired. So it wasn't like God got to the end of six days and he was like, oh man, whoo, that was exhausting. I need a break. Gabriel, get me a five hour energy. I'm gonna just take a day off. I, I really need this. No, no, no. God didn't, God didn't need this rest any more than he needed six days to create. You realize he's God. He's all powerful. He could have created this entire world in a millisecond if he wanted to. So what was God doing? This is important. God was establishing a rhythm whereby which we were to live our life. Here's the rhythm. Six days on, one, two, three, four, five, six days of work, one day off. Six on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Put your hands in your lap this morning. Right hand, ready, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's the rhythm. That's God's rhythm. That's the rhythm that works. That's the rhythm whereby which we live our life and your life is gonna work and it's gonna be healthy. Six days on, one off. This is the healthy rhythm of rest God's called each of us to walk in. Rest was modeled in how God designed. Here's the second thing. Rest was modeled in what God designed. Look at this with me. Genesis 1 verse 3. This is God establishing what days are supposed to look like. It says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Now check this out. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And then we see this over and over again. God creates, he establishes, he sets a pace, he sets a rhythm, and then it says, and there was evening, and there was rest, or there was evening, and there was morning, and the second day. And there was evening, and there was morning, and there was the third day. And there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the fourth day. And there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the fifth day. And there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the sixth day. I want you to notice something here. There was evening, and there was morning. So according to God, the creator, the establisher, the one who set everything in motion, the day begins in the evening. Why did God establish it like this? Here's why. Because God wants you to start your day resting, and then from a place of rest, go to do the work that you do. See, a lot of us, we think our day starts when we wake up, when consciousness hits us. No, 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 no. According to God, your day begins when you fall asleep. God begins to work in you to help you to rest. And then you come out of that rest, and now you can do the assignment that's in front of you from a place of rest. This is important to God. He made the rest the first part of it. So rest was modeled in what God designed. Here's number three. Rest was modeled for who God designed. So you skip ahead to Exodus chapter 20, 
And we've got God establishing the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, he, he takes this idea of Sabbath rest, and, it, and, and through the Ten Commandments, it's formulated, and it's, and it's mandated. He tells us, this is what I want you to do. And he sits it right beside all this stuff that's kind of like basic morality when you really think about it. He takes, you know, there's, there's all these things that we're, we're supposed to do, like, you know, don't covet, don't steal. That's a good thing, don't steal. Amen? Amen. Don't murder. Highly recommend that. Don't murder. Not good. Honor your father and mother. Don't cheat on your spouse. All of these things that we would all say, I would, we all know, like we don't, you don't not do those things. Like that's, can't do that. That's, that's off limits. And within this, he puts this idea, the fourth commandment of Sabbath rest. Look at this with me, verse eight, Exodus chapter 20. He says, remember the Sabbath. Now understand, as God presents this to them, this isn't the first time he's mentioning it. Because you can't tell somebody remember something if you've never told them about it before. This has already been established. It was established in the beginning. God said, hey, remember what I did? Remember the rhythm that I created at the beginning? That's how you're supposed to be living your life. Remember that. He also tells us to remember this because here's the thing. Let's be real. This is probably the one out of all the commandments that we are the most likely to cheat on. We'll say, oh, that's, that's okay. I've had, a, I've had a rough week this week, so I, I, I got a lot to do. I got a lot to accomplish. It's been a busy week, and I, I need to go ahead and, and finish. I can't do the Sabbath this week. Okay, real quick. Like, think about if you applied that to any of the other Ten Commandments. It's been a busy week this week. I've had a lot going on. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to go ahead and murder tomorrow because I, I just, I, I got to get ahead. I got to kill somebody tomorrow. It's got to get... I've had a busy week, like I, got a lot, I haven't been able to get it all done, so I'm just going to go ahead and go cheat on my wife tomorrow. Like we would never do that, right? That's wrong. And yet, this is, this is what we do. God says, remember this. Why? Because we have, we, we, sometimes we choose to forget. We don't prioritize this one like we do the others. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We're, we're to set it apart. That's what holy means. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a day for the Lord. And, and it's also interesting, this idea, the Sabbath principle uh, gets more real estate in Scripture, more ink is given to the idea of the Sabbath principle than to any of the other Ten Commandments. Why? Because it's the one we're the most likely to say, I don't really need that one. I can do without that one. God, God doesn't know what I'm doing. He doesn't know what I got going on. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Rest was modeled for who God designed. In fact, the reason God did this is because he knows what's best, right? He knows you at your best is you at your rest. In fact, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Psalm 23, where God talks about being our shepherd. You guys know this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does he do? First thing, he makes me lie down. Wow. You know what a good shepherd knows? A good shepherd knows if his sheep aren't rested, if they're not, if they're frantic, if they're not taking the time to rest like they're supposed to, that they could die. That they're not going to have a long life. They're not going to have a satisfied life. They're not going to produce what they're supposed to produce if they're not operating with rest in their life. So the first thing the shepherd does is he says, hey, Let's lie down. 
So God gives us a day of rest, but he also establishes the priority of rest in every day for us. It's a big deal. And then here's the fourth thing. Rest was modeled by the one who designed. Okay, so, so in the beginning, when God's creating the world, God's speaking the world into existence. And the one who's speaking the world into existence is actually Jesus. In fact, if you fast forward to the book of John, it talks about, in fact, it uses the exact same phrasing, in the beginning was the word. It's talking about Jesus because it later says, and the word uh, became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus is the word. He's the one that was speaking and creating. So what we see is that Jesus modeled for us in creation, spoke creation, spoke the Sabbath rest into existence. Like he created it. God created it. He created this day of rest. And then Jesus, years later, comes to be a part of his creation, steps into his creation. And if you look at the, at the life of Jesus, what you're going to see is that he modeled a rested life. In fact, it's, it's actually really fascinating. If you're studying uh, the life of Jesus in the Gospels with this idea of rest in mind, it's amazing how often it shows up in Scripture. You see Jesus sleeping when everyone else is on a boat freaking out. <laughs> you see Jesus hanging out at a well while the rest of the disciples go on. He, he stays back and chills at this well. You see Jesus, in fact, the Bible says he often withdrew. He would pull away from the crowd. Now, now think about it. You say, well, Pastor Josh, you don't get it. I got a lot going on. Jesus had a lot going on. <laughs> like he's bringing the gospel to life. Like he, this is the most important moments in the history of the world. If anyone had an excuse to be like, you know what, I probably could just, I need to just go on and work on through the night tonight because there's a lot of, there's a big crowd here. These people need healing. These people, I, I, I should probably just keep going. But no, what we see in Jesus is he would, he would say, guys, I'm out. Bye. And he'd disappear. And he'd go withdraw and he'd spend some time with the Lord. And we see God, we see Jesus honoring the Sabbath. He wasn't legalistic about it. He'd still heal people on the Sabbath. But he would honor the, the, the principle of the Sabbath, and he, he lived a rested life. You don't, you don't look at the life of Jesus. You don't read the Gospels and go, man, Jesus is going, on a is going at a breakneck pace. This guy, this is, this is crazy. He needs to slow down and chill. Like, whoa, bro. You don't see that, do you? And yet, how many of us can say the same thing about our life? And we're Christians, which means we're supposed to be Christ-like. And yet so often we're just, we're like that, the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. You know that rabbit? I'm late, I'm late. I, I got very important things to do. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, keep, keep, keep going. The same white rabbit is quoted in the, in the book, Alice in Wonderland is saying, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. Because let me just tell you, when you don't do things God's way, when you don't, when you don't operate at God's rhythm, hands in your lap, here we go, Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. When you try to change that rhythm, you get off rhythm. And it doesn't work. And it's always to your peril. In fact, in fact, there's been civilizations and cultures throughout history who have tried to change this. They've tried to change the seven-day work week to be an eight-day work week or a 10-day work week. And every time they would do it, they didn't get any more production done. And most of the time, it always led to disaster. In fact, statistics tell us 
They've studied this and they've proven, and this is secular research has proven, that if you're working more than, than 50 hours a week, which is on average, you know, if you're working six days a week, eight hours a day, that's less than 50 hours a week. When you start to move over 50 hours of work in a week, your production level falls apart. Look at this with me. This is, it says this, research that, that attempts to quantify the relationship between hours worked and productivity found that an employee output falls sharply off after 50 hours uh, uh, work week and falls off the cliff after 55, so much so that someone who puts in 70 hours produces nothing more with those extra 15 hours. Why? Because you're getting out of God's rhythm and it don't work. You can't disobey God. You can't step outside of God's creation and it produce fruit and it produce life. It just, it doesn't work. There's a rhythm. Six on, one off. Six on, one off. And I also believe this personally. If you don't take the one off, if you don't choose to receive of the gift of the Sabbath, and I'll show you it's a gift, and take it, what God's offering you, then the Sabbath will actually be taken from you. In fact, there's a story in 2 Chronicles where God had established for the, for the Israelite people that every, every seven years they were to give the land a year of rest. And the Israelite people aren't doing it. Every seven years they're not doing it. And every seven years it keeps adding up and adding up. This goes on for 490 years. And finally, God has to step in. And he allows the Babylonian Empire to come along and to take the Hebrew Jewish people captive and they become prisoners. Guess how long they're prisoners? 70 years. 490, 70 years is what, was take, is what they didn't give God. So it was taken from them and that land rested for 70 years while they were not occupying it. Wow. I read this quote this week. Wayne Mueller wrote a book about the Sabbath, said this, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath for us. There's consequences when we don't do things God's way, right? You don't obey God, it, it hurts you. But, but here's the good news. There's blessing when you do things God's way. In fact, if you go back to Genesis and you look at the creation narrative, as God is creating things, there are three times in the creation narrative, in the seven days, that he blesses something. The first thing he blesses is the animals. He creates the animals, the fish, the birds, all these animals, and he blesses them. He pronounces a blessing over them, and then he says, be fruitful and multiply. So what does that mean? It means that they can produce from themselves, and that, that that production is multiplied into the world around them, Right? Then God creates mankind, he creates man and woman, and he says, be fruitful. He pronounces a blessing over them, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, what can they do? They can produce fruit after their, their kind, same as they are, and they can multiply it into the world. Now, check this out. This is verse, Genesis 2, verse 2. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 3, then he blessed the seventh day and sanctify it. It's the third thing that he blesses is the Sabbath rest. And so what does that mean? That means that when you honor God in the Sabbath, that God's able to produce the fruit of rest in your life. And then from that rest, you can multiply that rest to the world around you. 
You can bring that rest into your workplace. You can bring that rest into your marriage. You can bring that rest into your, into your family, into the raising of your kids. When you honor God, it produces fruit, and the fruit is multiplied through you. I'm preaching good this morning, people. I hope some lights are coming on for you this morning. God spoke a blessing over this. He wants to bless you through this. This is a gift, but some of us are just running crazy. We're worn out. Our tongues are hanging out. We're running at our own pace instead of trying to run at God's pace, and it's hurting us. And Because we're not honoring God, the blessing, we're not receiving the blessing of rest, and so we don't, we're not able to receive of it, and we're not able to bring it into our environments. And so we're bringing more chaos and more of that junk into the environments that we live in. So what do we do? Okay, two things you got to understand. The first thing is this. You were made to work. All right? This is important. You were made to work. Before we can talk about what qualifies you to rest, you got to talk about days one through six because you were supposed to work on those days. Like you don't get a Sabbath if you're not working, just so you know, okay? It's a break from work. If you ain't working, you don't need a break from work, okay? But God created us and designed us to work. Listen, work is not a part of the curse, just so you know. All right, look at this with me. Uh, Exodus 26, verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. God wants you to, to work. He wants you to get it all done in the six days. Exodus uh, 26, or I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. God wants you to work, and when you work, he wants you to work hard so you can get stuff done. Whatever your work is, if your work is, you know, you're in school right now, going to college, you're, you're in high school, junior high, wherever you find yourself, do that work that's in front of you. Do that assignment. Do it well. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're raising those little kids, do that work well. If you're running a business, whatever your work, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might so that you can be blessable and promotable by God through it. So we're to work hard. Listen, just don't overwork. Don't step outside the boundaries and the rhythm that God created. But work is not a bad thing. In fact, look at this. This is Genesis 2.15. The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, the man was made on day six. So man's first day in this world was day seven where he rested. So I imagine that Adam probably came to God on that first day and he was like, all right, what are we doing today? And God was like, we're chilling today. He's like, well, I just got here. Yeah, and I want you to rest. First thing. You see it again, priority of rest in your life. But then after that, God says, hey, okay, I'm going to give you some work to do. Genesis 2.15, that was not after the fall. Okay, so work is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. In fact, read Revelation. The Bible says that we're going to have assignments in heaven. You're going to be working for, the, for eternity. So if you have this idea that, you know, life, the best life is sitting on a beach doing nothing, like that's not God's view. That's a beer commercial, okay? <laughs> you, were, you were made to work. And if we work hard, we can rest well. But, but the second part of it is, is, is equally important. You were made to rest. And you got to pull away. There has to be a moment where you say, I could do more, but I'm not going to. Yes, there's, there's more to do, but I'm going to rest in the Lord. And I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to put my faith in him. And I'm going to believe that God can do more in my life in six days where he's at the center than I can do with seven where I'm at the center. Because I worship God. He's, he's the Lord. I believe that he can take me in that day. He can multiply my strength. So I'll go back into the six days stronger and can do more with it than I could if I just continue to live at this place of weakness. 
Okay, so what does a Sabbath look like? Well, I can't tell you exactly what that looks like to you because we all live different lives. We all have different work. And I would just encourage you with this because I even had some questions after first service. Don't get legalistic about it. I'm not talking about being legalistic, but, but just think through how can, I, how can I rest? What's the best day for me to pull away and to disconnect from the stuff that, that wears me out, that pulls strength from me? How do I disconnect from that? So for me, uh, I'm a pastor, right? So every week I'm writing messages. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to put this together. I'm writing messages. I'm praying for the church. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm meeting with, with people. We're talking about the future of the church. I'm talking about building stuff. I'm, I'm doing all sorts of, of meetings. I'm answering emails. I'm, doing, I'm, I'm coming up with social media posts. Like all of this stuff is going on throughout the week to help promote and build the church. So on my Sabbath day, which is Friday, I don't do that stuff. I disconnect from anything work. Our team knows. Don't contact me about church stuff on Friday. That's my, that's my Sabbath day. I'm disconnecting. And, and listen, it doesn't mean I disconnect from my friends. Like, you know, I got church friends. I'll, I'll go hang out with them. But we're just not going to talk about church and how we build the church and grow the church and what, you know, this discipline that needs to take place over here with this person or whatever it may be. Like, we disconnect from that stuff. And let me just tell you, it takes effort to do it. Like, just like you have to work hard to work hard, you got to work hard to rest well. In fact, the Bible says this in Hebrews 4.11. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter rest. It takes effort to enter rest. you got to work hard at it. you gotta, you got to change your mindset. If you've been living where that phone's always blowing up and you're always connected to it, you got to say, okay, how do I disconnect? So, so here's what we're doing. We're disconnecting from our work rhythm. And we're connecting with God. Leviticus talks about how the, day, the Sabbath day is a day of holy assembly. In other words, you're, you're to connect with God in a greater way on this day. So I'm going to connect on my Sabbath day. I'm going to connect with God in a different way than I do the rest of the week. I'm going to connect with Sarah, my wife, in a different way than I do the rest of the week. And I'm going to connect with my kids in a different way than I do the rest of the week. I, I love how this one author put it. He put it this way. Uh, traditionally, looking back at history, Sabbath was honored by lighting candles, worship and prayer, receiving God's word, blessing your children. There should be a spiritual aspect to your Sabbath. It doesn't mean you have to spend the whole day in prayer. I'm not saying that. But maybe you go on a walk and you pray and you, you, you pronounce a blessing over your kids and over your family and over your job. You can pray over your job. Just don't get all caught up in the work of your job. But pray over these things. Present those things to the Lord. Singing songs, but also keeping silent. Some of you, maybe you're talking all week on your Sabbath. You need to go sit somewhere and just shut up and just listen to a brook babble or something. Light a candle, turn on the jacuzzi, and just enjoy yourself, right? <laughs> Reading scripture. I like this one, making love. In fact, in the, in the Jewish Talmud, it was actually commanded that you have sex on the Sabbath with your wife. Or your spouse. <laughs> I see some of you. Oh, okay. I like the Sabbath principle. <laughs> Slow your roll, okay? You got to be married. But if you're married, have fun. All right. <laughs> Making love, sharing a meal, enjoy good food. Listen, carbs don't count on the Sabbath. <laughs> Amen? Pray over it. Chick-fil-A. All right. It says, this is a day of delight. This is a day of rejuvenation. 
This is a day to look forward to. And I want you to know, I look forward to this day every week. We, we, we were talking with my parents about this a couple weeks ago. I don't know how people do it without it. I really don't. It, it, it's changed our life. And let me just tell you, it's my favorite day of the week. I love it. I look forward to it every week. My favorite two days of the week, here they are. Friday, which is my Sabbath, and Sunday. It's the day I work the hardest, which is today, and it's the day I rest the hardest. Those are my two favorite days of the week. But you gotta fight for this. It's not gonna come easy. In fact, let me, let me say this to you. As much as we wanna champion this as a culture of our church, we can't make you do it. I can encourage you to do it. I can instruct our teams. I can make my staff do it. They got no choice because I, I write the, my name on their checks. But, <laughs> but you, you have to choose. You have to make that choice that you're going to trust God. Listen, I know it's an act of faith. I know some of you are going, you don't understand my situation. I got people nipping at my heels. If I, if I, if I let this day go, production is going to drop off. I get that in the natural you could believe that. Just like I could believe that in the natural, when I give my team a day off after they've been working hard during a season, that no work is going to get done on that day. But I believe there is work being done on that day. The work of rest is being done by God in their life, sharpening them, preparing them so when they come back, they're actually going to get more done by resting than they did by working that day. That's faith. Trusting God. God at the center of six is better than me at the center of seven. So I'm going to say, God, I obey you. Six days on, we're going to work hard. One day off. Pat your, get it ready. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's the rhythm. That's the rhythm God's called us to live by. And I want you to know that this rhythm, this gift of Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Mark 2, 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for Sabbath. A lot of people will take that verse and they'll take the second part of it and go, see, we don't have to live under that Sabbath principle anymore. We can throw that away. But okay, sure. But look at the first part of it. The Sabbath was made for man. Who made it? God. He made it as a gift that he offers you. And every week, God offers you this gift. And listen, when you don't receive of it, what you're saying to God is, God, I don't, I don't need your rest. I got this. I can do it on my own. I don't want your rest. So, so guess what happens when you don't receive of God's rest? When you tell him you don't want it, you don't get it. Because God doesn't go where he's not invited. And so you can be praying, God, strengthen me. God, fill me with your joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Those are true verses, but if you're disobeying a principle God set in place and then asking God to bail you out after the fact, you're, you're out of rhythm and it ain't going to work. God offers you rest, and I'd encourage you to receive it. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm encouraging you to invite God to show you. And get with your spouse if you're married and talk about it. What does this look like for us? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to rest? How are we going to work hard for six and rest well for one? How are we going to do it? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to read something to you that Jesus said. And as I read this, I just want you to really let these words just sink into your mind. In fact, Jesus actually starts these verses off with some questions. And then he gives you some answers. And some of these questions may be where you find yourself today. Matthew 11, Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? 
Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is a, this is a grace rhythm. This is a, this is a gift. You get to take a day off. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that good? Lord Jesus, we love you today. Thank you so much. God, for <laughs> create, loving us so much, caring about us, that you want us to be healthy and rested. And so, church, we make a decision today. Jesus, we commit. Now, we're going to fight for this. We're going to fight to be healthy because we believe healthy things we produce. And we want to produce health in our families and in our marriages and in our lives and in our church. And so we're going to trust you. We may have questions today, but we're going to trust you. And we're going to work this rhythm into the rhythm of our life because we know it's how you created things and your ways are always best. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to every individual in here today. Show us what to do. Show us how to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.